We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. All right, guys, welcome. We have uh, the Blue Jays preview today going through the AL East as we're doing all week. Got our guy Arden Zwelling, who covers the Toronto Blue Jays for Sportsnet, also the host of At The Letters. Arden, what's up, man? Welcome uh, welcome back to the show. Hey, man. Good to be here. A lot has changed since I uh, first came on this podcast to talk Blue Jays, that's for sure. Yeah, I think at one point we did like maybe three spring training um, previews <laughs> in one of the years, and you know you've you've come back each year, which uh, which is which has always been fun. Maybe this is the year we actually do get that beer together, um, you know, when when they're in New York at some point. So, you know, we can actually get in the same room to to drink that beer. So that would be uh, perhaps be good. during the postseason, even perhaps, perhaps right? during the postseason. Not again, knocking yeah. on wood for certain things. Um, <laughs> But yeah, man, welcome, welcome aboard. Uh, definitely want to get. I think let's just kick it off with spring training, man. Like, what's the what's the vibe down in in uh, in Florida? I know you've been down there for for a while now, and what's the feeling uh, with the team? It's an optimistic camp, and I guess that all teams are optimistic right now. Nobody's lost best shape, yet. Best shape uh-huh. of our lives, <laughs> right? Yeah, everybody's feeling good after the offseason. Everybody's actually excited to be around baseball again. Uh, nobody, fingers crossed, has gotten injured yet. Nobody's in a slump yet. So obviously there's optimism at all camps. But I mean, the Blue Jays, it is, it really is a different level of optimism. I mean, this is like my 10th or 11th year now, I guess, around the team. And I haven't seen it quite like this. And that was through the 2015, 2016 years. Um, That was through the 2013 year when they pulled off that huge trade with the Marlins for Jose Reyes and Josh Johnson. And they were preseason world series favorites and obviously fell flat on their faces ultimately but i haven't seen this level of optimism since for for a number of reasons when you look at this roster and the way it's built some of the young talent that emerged last uh last season some of the veteran talent that's been added over the offseason and then also they're working out at this brand new player development complex the state-of-the-art hundred million dollar facility which is like beautiful and futuristic and space age it's incredible so there's a lot of a lot of arrows pointing up right now for this franchise yeah uh the uh tell me about this tell me about the facilities what what is uh what's you said brand new all all this tell, tell us about it because i know um in the past, I've been down to Dunedin and, the, and and seen the the old. I guess that's the old stadium. There's a new one now where 
those had, there was a lot of brick. There was, it definitely had an older mm-hmm. feel. The, the, the stands were, were, um, like old school benches. Like it was, it was definitely an old school spring training stadium. Yeah. So the, the ballpark itself, the stadium was renovated a few years ago, pre pandemic, they got to yep. use it and it's, yeah, it's definitely a much better experience for fans now. And it's the, it's the same sort of, you know, bones of the ballpark. They just updated a bunch of stuff, added a bunch of things that you see at typical spring training ballparks, right? The ability to sort of walk around the entire outfield and stand out there, bars in the outfield, things like that, new amenities, obviously new paint on everything and improve the concourses and just made it look a lot more modern and a lot more fan friendly. But I think that the really big improvement for the Blue Jays, the thing the organization is most excited about is about 10 minutes away from the ballpark in Dunedin. And that's the club's new player development complex, which this spring they are finally maximizing for the first time. The pandemic sort of delayed when they were able to fully open it and fully use it just because of restrictions on gatherings and obviously not a lot of baseball being played and in 2020 um but that now the uh the blue jays are utilizing this brand new hundred million dollar facility which has just every bell and whistle a player could want every amenity they could want tons of spaces for preparation for recovery for development, there's a you know there's a pitching lab and a hitting lab with all the modern tech and the force plate technology and hit tracks and TrackMan and, and Edgertronic cameras and all all of those things and just brand new facilities for players. I mean, the Blue Jays had at that complex what was easily 30 of 30 among MLB clubs when it comes to a spring training facility. There's high schools in Florida that had nicer facilities than the Blue Jays. And now the Blue Jays believe they have the best spring training facility and the best player development facility in baseball. So it's really exciting for the club. Yeah, that is cool. I think I was down there. I think I was in Dunedin at a game. The It must have been the year right before the renovations because you couldn't even walk you know, I, could, yeah. I remember stopping in right field. There was like an elevator that went up and down to help people that couldn't go up the stairs, and uh, they hadn't they hadn't done the, the whole renovation yet. So that's exciting for the team, and and yeah, going from thirtieth to what what they think is number one is is good. It also just speaks to what clubs are doing now. I think to get ahead with the advanced analytics and make sure that they're 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 up to to speed with all the latest training um, and bells and whistles, like you mentioned. So that's a, I mean, it's a serious commitment to to a, a facility down there. So. Definitely see that. Yeah, it's a um, selling point for free agents, right? Like it's something that the Blue Jays have, you know, they've had a a drone go through and prepare one of those like, you know, sizzle reel videos. Those things are awesome. Right, right. Yeah, no, it looks like really cool. And they send that to free agents when they're courting like a Kevin Gosman or you say Kikuchi, like they send that to them. They're like, here's what you're going to be around. So it's a selling point because obviously players want to have the best facilities and resources. And the Blue Jays also think it'll be a competitive advantage down the line as more and more young players filter through the organization and start using what's available to them and then the tools, resources, just the better. Man, the weight room at the old facility was like, you know, I, I mean, I don't know, there's there's LA fitnesses that were like 15 times the size. Like the weight room, it was embarrassing how small yeah. it was and how the Blue Jays had to schedule and program really inefficiently weight training and conditioning and strength for their players. Like it was a competitive disadvantage at that time. And now the new weight room is like enormous and sprawling and has everything that you could ever want. The Blue Jays, Blue Jays players just able to use it 
um, to their benefit so, so much more than they were in the past. So the Blue Jays really do think they're going to develop players better down the line as young players move through this facility. Well, that's exciting. Um, talking about some some off-season stuff, mentioned free agents. You guys had, you know, I, I think it's an interesting off-season because when you look at the people, the players that you guys lost, they were significant. I mean, clearly you lost uh, Cy Young, Robbie Ray, you lost um, uh, Simeon, who is a hell of a bat and a, a good veteran presence in there. Um, uh, the, the the best one for Yankee fans is... Uh, is, is Randall Gritchick. He's gone forever. We'll never have to see him in a Blue Jays uniform again, hopefully. Uh, and, and he cannot destroy the New York Yankees because it seemed like that was the only team he showed up for. But he did show up every single time we played them. And he was uh, he was a pain in the ass for a very long time. So <laughs> he is one guy that I am like, goodbye, have fun, good luck. You know, hope, to, hope you have all the success in the world, not in that uniform. But you guys did, you did lose a good amount of people um, uh, but you did add some people. Obviously, the trade for Chapman, uh, and as you mentioned before, Kevin Gosman, Kikuchi. So Greg Bird's on that list, right? Would we'll, we'll love to hear about what the uh, what's the vibe check on Greg Bird. But yeah, talk about the talk about the the offseason because it was definitely interesting in the way that you guys added and subtracted. It's so funny that you mentioned you mentioned Grichik because I mean every time I come on with you, there's some different Yankee killer that I wasn't even aware of, right? Because like from my perspective, you don't you don't necessarily see it that way. I remember one year you raised Ryan Goins and you were like so happy yep. that Ryan Goins was gone. That's right. Right? Because he he came up in some big two out spots with guys on, I guess. Grichik I mean, murders the Yankees. It seems like every at bat he's hitting a home run. <laughs> it, it, it's it's an extra base hit every single time with that guy. Well, I mean, so you had said that like Yankees fans were like, sayonara, good riddance, you know, don't let the door hit you. There's a lot of Blue Jays fans who feel the same way. About <laughs> okay. He was kind of, there. there is an open spot for, you know, fan base whipping boy now that Randall Gritchick is gone because, uh, yeah, I guess outside of the Yankees, I mean, he was not, you know, he was not an incredibly productive player for the yep. Blue Jays last year. And he had signed an extension a few years ago as well that had become quite unpopular with with the fan base here but anyways yeah he's a colorado rocky now um you know you, it's funny man you mentioned the off season so an off season prior to this past one the blue jays won the off season by a mile in signing robbie ray to a one-year deal what robbie yep. ray one year eight million dollars the cy Such young award deal. winner yep and then marcus simeon one year 18 million dollars for a guy who finished third in mvp voting I mean, you that is like a 99th percentile offseason. The Blue Jays will never beat it. What an yeah. incredible offseason. They also traded for Steven Matz when he was at an absolute nadir of his career. He was coming off like a nine ERA in 2020. They traded some just edge of the 40-man roster surplus for him to the Mets. And Steven Matz ended up giving them something like 150 innings at, you know, uh, an above league average league or below, I guess, league average, you know, ERA. Uh, which and then parlayed that into a four-year, forty-four million dollar deal with the St. Louis Cardinals. So I mean, the Blue Jays had this, you know, magnificent offseason year prior. They're never going to top it. But the way they've replaced those players who have now left, as you said, they signed Kevin Gosman to replace Robbie Ray, Cyan candidate from another league, going to come back to the AL East where he began his career and try to continue to have the results he's had with his splitter, which might be one of the best pitches. In MLB, Pitching Ninja, you can look it up. I mean, this thing is is unbelievable. Um, they trade for Matt Chapman from the A's to replace Simeon. Um, it's not a direct replacement. Chapman's going to play third. Simeon was playing second. 
But essentially, Chapman will take over at third for the next two seasons. And then the Blue Jays will slowly to platoon Kevin Biggio and Santiago Espinal at second base. Um, and then for Mats, who was like a really underrated part of this rotation last uh, last season, Yusei Kikuchi gets signed. He gets brought in and he's a guy who is like long had this really tantalizing upside, and this incredible stuff, but hasn't really been able to put it together. And you actually look at his numbers over the second half of 2021. It was a weird season for him. He was an all-star over the first half. And then over the second half, probably the worst starter in the American League. Enormous hard contact, ball leaving the yard at crazy rates. His spin rates went down. His velocity went down. Some very concerning stuff. Um, but he throws a mid-90s fastball from the left side with some really wicked secondaries. So the Blue Jays are going to try to get him working with their pitching department, with guys like, you know, their pitching coach Pete Walker and Matt Bushman, who's their bullpen coach and title, but is really like their second-in-command pitching coach. And all the people behind the scenes are going to try to help Yusei Kikuchi make some of the similar adjustments that Steven Matz made coming off of 2020 when he was a similar guy. Through mid-90s on the left side with a nasty changeup, just wasn't able to use it in the right parts of the zone to have success. So the Blue Jays are going to try to do that again, and they're going to try to get a bounce back from Matt Chapman like they got a bounce back from Marcus Simeon, who had a down 2020 in A's uniform. Very similar there. And with a guy like Kevin Gosman, they're going to try to replace Robbie Ray, one two-pitch pitcher with another two-pitch pitcher. So there are some very interesting parallels here in how the Blue Jays have replaced those uh, those very significant departures, as you said. You mentioned Kikuchi in the in the second half tail off. What did what are they IDing that? How what are they saying about that second half? Was it fatigue? Was there injury? Was there just a you know a loss of mechanics? What what do they what do they think that they can fix there um, to see a you know an, a better second half from him? So part of it, I think, is fatigue. Like I do think he's a guy who should have his innings managed a bit more carefully, a bit more mindfully, and that's something the Blue Jays are going to do with Kikuchi and with Hunjin Ryu as well, who had similar struggles over the second half of 2021. I think those are two guys who are going to be on a bit different schedules than just the every five days taking the ball sort of starter. Um, but I think it's also a lot of pitch usage as well. I mean, Kikuchi's got this great, you know, 95 mile an hour fastball, and he's got a bunch of stuff that moves in different directions off of it. He's got a breaking ball that's kind of slurvy. He's got a split change. Um, you know, he's got a cutter that'll run in on righties. And I think the Blue Jays just want him using those pitches to different areas of the zone. They want him attacking righties in on the hands with the cutter. They want him using that split change um, to, you know, get away from from righties and lefties as well. Like, so I do think it's just using, you know, changing, tweaking his pitch mix a little bit, maybe upping the usage of the split change a bit, which has been really successful and he hasn't deployed that often, but also remembering not to get rid of the breaking ball as well, which has been a really useful pitch when he's able to locate it. He's just putting it in some really, really poor spots over the back half of 2021. And that's why he gave up some of the really hard contact that he did. So the Blue Jays will make bets like this on guys like this. They made a bet on Robbie Ray, really a guy who wasn't in the zone for the first Six, it seven, a, eight. It was years a minimal bet. It was a, it was a, it was a damn good bet. But yeah, it was. But I mean, the guy, you know, was walking the entire world. Yes, right. He was. Like everybody. For how many years do we say, man, Robbie Ray has unbelievable stuff, but this guy cannot get just in find the zone. Plate. Yeah. And and the Blue Jays helped him get to the point where he did find the plate and he was in the zone and used two pitches. For the entire season, fastball slider, like pitched like a high leverage reliever for an entire season and won himself a Cy Young award. 
They made a similar bet on Mats, as I was saying earlier. And then they've also made bets that haven't worked out, right? There are guys like Shun Yamaguchi who came over from Japan that they loved his splitter too. It didn't work out. Rafael Delis was a bullpen arm that like blew up into a million pieces for the Blue Jays. So the bets don't always work out. But uh, yeah, Kikuchi is, is another one of these bets where the Blue Jays say our folks and our pitching department, not just Pete Walker and Matt Bushman, but all the, the nerds and analysts with their spreadsheets behind the scenes, they can help this guy realize his obvious potential we're going to get to watch that process play out all year interesting the um so obviously you guys have this young nucleus of of an offensive juggernaut they 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 ended the season uh hot in in september and and coming in obviously didn't get uh didn't didn't finish the way that they wanted to. I think in the total standings, if you if you look at that, do you see and and, and I know the the eternal optimism coming out and that feeling that you're talking about. But is there is there a sense of unfinished business? Do they feel like they they just hit the gas a little a little late uh, last year? I know there were there were some struggles uh, earlier in the season. Yankees had a very similar thing happen to them early in the year. It was just the early year baseball was just bad. Um, What's the what's the sense there? Because they got to have a lot of confidence in the way that they ended the season. Oh hell yeah, the Blue Jays <laughs> are are real determined. I mean, they missed the postseason by a game last year. Yep. They had three different homes last year. Yep. They began the season in Dunedin, playing in a minor league ballpark. Moved to Buffalo for the middle of two months, playing in a minor league ballpark, and then finished like hot as hell at, at Rogers Center at the end. And to a man. Every single person in and a woman, I should say, every single person in the Toronto Blue Jays organization believes that if they played at Rogers Center for 81 games last year, they they would have made the postseason. They could have won the American League East. Like they think that, you know, they they could have done so, so much more if they didn't have to face the adversity that they did over the first four months. Um, and it's still it's still a sticking point. Like I still talk to people in the organization today. Like this is, I don't know, six months later or something. And there's still people who are sort of like mad at the sky over that because they missed the postseason by by a game. You were gonna say something. What do you got? It, well, it sounds it sounds like Brian Cashman screaming at the clouds from 2017 recently about <laughs> about how they were, you know, the reason the Yankees weren't in the play or the World Series because they were cheated and like everything, all the circumstances around them was the reason where I we're just looking for this dude to look in the mirror. Different circumstances, I understand that, but what they're using is chip on shoulder, which is not a bad thing for a team. They're still sore about it. It's it's incredible. Like, still, how often I'm not bringing this stuff up. It comes up unprompted yeah. from them, just in sure. off-record conversations. They're still so mad about it. Um, and look, like you can point to a lot of other things. The Blue Jays bullpen was imploding regularly over the first two two and a half months of last season, and they didn't act with enough urgency to address it. They eventually went out and traded for Adam Simber and Trevor Richards, who really stabilized that group and got a lot of outs in sort of the like sixth, seventh, eighth innings where games are being blown. And they were able to come in and give the Blue Jays just a much higher standard of relief there and convert some more of the leads that the offense was, uh, you know, was providing into wins. It just came a tick too late, obviously, because if they had gone out and gotten an Adam Simber like two, three weeks earlier, the Blue Jays probably find that extra win that they needed. But yeah, I think a lot of it, um, and I don't know, Yankees fans probably aren't going to love this. Like a lot of it, a lot of that confidence comes from, as you were saying, how the Blue Jays finished the season, like hot, the hottest team in baseball, the best team in baseball, playing so well to a point that in some of the tiebreaker 
scenarios where teams had to choose like team A, team B, team C before the final game of the season. I, I know you guys remember that the New York Yankees chose to play the Boston Red Sox over <clears throat> the Toronto Blue Jays in one of those scenarios. I think that says it all. Oh, absolutely. I, and I would have made that choice a thousand times again, because I at that at that moment, the last team I wanted to play was the Blue Jays because of that <laughs> confidence, because of the way they're swinging the 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 bat and you know those guys we've mentioned this and you know it's funny because I talked yesterday to um to Trisha Whitaker uh with the Rays and there's a similar sense of confidence with the young guys on that team as well like this this AL East is going to be a dogfight it, it, it is absolutely going to be a dogfight minus the Baltimore Orioles it's going to be a dogfight and um yeah there's just you know the, the oh, way that they swing so the bat and the confidence that they have it's going to be a lot of fun to watch it really is it's going to be so fun um, to watch the personalities alone dude yeah. you guys adding josh donaldson you want to just drop oh, yeah. josh donaldson into the middle of this thing I know. like the the biggest agitator all, in the league yeah right like a guy who just loves getting under everybody's skin like in general but also a guy who there's still a lot of acrimony over how his like blue jays tenure ended a guy who like had some pretty ill feelings towards the organization when he was ultimately traded at the like second the non-waiver trade deadline or the waiver trade deadline in in 2018 to have him in rogers center josh donaldson has always hit well at rogers center he hit well at rogers center as an oakland athletic obviously as toronto blue jay winning an mvp and he's going to love hitting at Rogers Center again as a New York Yankee. Like, I can't wait to watch these Blue Jays Yankees games this year. Yeah, he's one of those guys where I think Yankees fans, the Yankees had an interesting offseason and this different than the, what the Blue Jays did, but they, but they definitely went a different route than all Yankees fans wanted them to go. Clearly, that's just everybody expects the Yankees to go and sign a, a big, a big free agent when a big free agent is out there. It's just the, the, um, it's, it's the non realistic expectation of the Yankee fan. It's just what happens. And, um, the way that they did this, I was happy in the way that they changed their roster because what they did is they brought different faces in. They brought different faces in and those faces do different things than other books. So they're, they're definitely a lot more balanced than they have been in the past. And a guy like Josh Donaldson, where, you know, that he was clearly the reason they had to make that deal. They had to take on that salary for the twins so that they could go get, and get Carlos Correa. But, um, He's a guy that's, you know, he's definitely polarizing. He's an agitator. He's when he's a when he you're not playing, when he's not on your team, you cannot stand the guy. You can't stand yeah. him because he's good yeah. and he does get under your skin and he does those things. But he's also the type of guy like he's not a not a bad guy that I know of, anything like that. He's just a guy that's a pain in the ass when he's on somebody else and you hate looking at him. Now that he's on your team, as long as he can get a as long as he can get a you know, uh get along with the people around him <laughs> in the clubhouse, which We'll see what happens, but that's a good guy to have on your on your side. He, he is, and if he's got some chip on the shoulder, whatever he's using as as fuel against the Toronto Blue Jays, that's a great thing for for the Yankees. So talk 1, more about that. Like, what's like that relationship some... with 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 him and the? How did it go bad at the end there? Personally, with him and the way that he spoke. Sure. Even just to cap off what you're saying, like there's some real sandpaper in this division this year. Yeah. They're like, you know, the Red Sox have to be motivated after they were underestimated last season and, and obviously rose beyond those expectations. Chris Sale is just always like, just always has the red ass, right? Um, and there's some juice between the Blue Jays and Rays too down the stretch last season. There was a weird incident where Kevin Kiermeyer slid into home plate, got tagged out on an outfield throw and, um, the Blue Jays catcher Alejandro Kirk had his information card and oh, his, right. his wristband yep. popped out. 
Kiermaier took it, Picked it took up. it back to the Rays dugout. He got plunked two days later. It was yeah. a whole. Th- so there's like some interesting juice in this division this year. When it comes to Donaldson, um, he had some like definitely private and a little bit public as well uh disagreements with the blue jays training staff and how they were handling his repeated calf issues that he was having and and he didn't love the program that he was on um and he actually ended up re-aggravating his calf when he was on you know when he was trying to come back from that issue and it cost him the majority of his final season in a blue jays uniform it was also sort of clear coming into that season that the blue jays were heading in a different direction they were looking to overhaul their clubhouse they're looking to get rid of some of the older more crustier um stubborn personalities as we're you know as we're talking about with josh donaldson they were trying to they were trying to refresh things and get, hand over the clubhouse to the kids that you see now like bo bichette and vladimir Guerrero jr yep. teoscar hernandez lourdes Guerrero jr they wanted them to build their own culture so guys like marcus stroman and Jose Bautista were kind of being shown the door and Josh Donaldson was very clearly next going into that season because the Blue Jays weren't going to be good and Donaldson was going to be um, you know quite a commodity come the trade deadline and then it just was a disaster with his repeated injuries him not playing and Blue Jays ended up trading him to Cleveland at the uh, second trade deadline like just snuck it past the goalie for uh, a guy in Julian Merriweather who who might now play a pretty interesting role in the Blue Jays' bullpen. Yankees fans might remember Merriweather just dominating them in April um, in that early season series in the Bronx last year. Uh, he had two saves in, in that series. So there was, you know, there were a lot of hard feelings when Josh Donaldson walked out the door of this franchise. He's, he's, he's you know, softened on it a bit since he came back to Toronto with Minnesota last year and did the whole wave to the fans he exchanged jerseys with vlad like he did a whole reunion tour there i think he actually kind of appreciated being around the the toronto media again because i don't know that he was getting quite as much tension in minnesota as, as he was in in toronto um so i think he actually uh like i think he's going to be really rejuvenated though by by being back in this division by being in new york he's a perfect yankees guy man like he's a perfect yankees culture guy there you know there are guys like josh donaldson who is just like better on a winning team and in a winning culture and in a place where winning is expected in a place where there's a lot of attention or it's a pressure cooker. Like I don't know that Minnesota was the best environment for him, particularly last year when they were pretty crap. I think New York's a great environment for a guy like Josh Donaldson. And I would not be surprised if you saw him have one of these sort of like late career resurgences that the Yankees often seem to get out of like a like a Carlos Beltran when he's 39 or you know I pick you know another guy like we've seen like Brian McCann like some of these guys who show up in pinstripes and have these amazing mid to late 30s seasons I I bet you Josh Donaldson in that environment is going to thrive and do really well if he stays healthy which is always a, a massive if with him we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The, the calf injury, the I assume that he he thought that they had him on the a wrong the wrong path the wrong program to get back where he could have gotten back sooner for a longer term was that was that really what he had a problem with that he just didn't agree the way that they were rehabbing it and he's kind of old school man like at his at his core right so the Blue Jays at that time were actually like in this process of um, building out their their high performance department and and hiring a bunch of new trainers and doing things a lot differently than they had been done in the past. So I think that Josh kind of clashed a little bit with maybe some of the methodologies and some of the ideas and some of the progressions um, that that were being brought in and implemented that were just a bit more contemporary than maybe what he was used to. So um, I and yeah, I just I he, <laughs> you know, and I've had, talking to people who are who are close to it now. It's all water in the bridge. And everybody's cool. And I actually when the Jays went to Tampa. And Donaldson was there. He was like, you know, hugging the trainers, the nutritionists, and all these people, and saying hi and and what's up and and all that, and everything was cool. But I think that as Josh Donaldson was exiting during what was certainly a very frustrating season for him, uh, I don't think there was any love lost at that time. Well, do me a favor when he's uh, next time you see him when when uh, when he's up there, just ask him some pointed questions to resurface this aggravation because I've, he's a, he's the type of guy that <laughs> that seems to thrive when. When uh, people piss him off, or, or when he's in a, a high pressure situation, so yeah, he doesn't just, need just any help getting the there, man. <laughs> he doesn't need any outside motivation there. That is a guy who is very, very internally motivated to yeah. piss everybody off on the field and to compete as a you know real bastard. That's that's who he is. And <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be fun to watch. Yeah, for sure. Um, the the rotation you guys have obviously the one thing we didn't talk about from the offseason is you did extend Jose Barrios as well like this is a guy now you know going in with those one year contracts from last offseason and the and the way that they worked out you you have some longer term deals here where it seems like the core has some room you know they're not they're not all fighting on this one year deal with some of the, some big some big guys here um, but who else uh, are you seeing is there anybody else that we can expect to make an impact. That we don't know about, um, you know, from the minors, someone who's shining uh, beyond the the big names that we already know about. So the rotation is is pretty well set, as you mentioned. Jose Brios going to start opening day. Kevin Gosman will follow him. Um, you guys probably know all about Alec Manoa by now, who is this young, you know, emerging um, force really in the Blue Jays rotation. Like showed up early last season. A lot of question marks. Nobody was too sure what to expect. He had like 17 minor league innings because he was drafted like right before the pandemic year, obviously in 2020, and then was at the alt site for 2021, made three starts in Buffalo into the majors, debuted at Yankee Stadium and shoved and actually like went on to have this like brilliant year, got rookie of the year votes, was just a mid-rotation starter at the big league level suddenly. So he's a guy to watch. Absolutely, he's going to continue trying to build in his in his sophomore year. Obviously, Hunjin Ryu and Yusei Kikuchi rounding things out. 
beyond them, um, you know, Ross Stripling will probably see some starts for this club. Classic sort of Brad Keith Peacock style, like swingman. Um, obviously, a lot of years with the Dodgers. Been you know, he's a really useful piece for this team, particularly early in the season when they're you know the Blue Jays open up playing thirty games in the first thirty-one days of the year. Yeah. Um, and obviously, starters aren't going to be quite built up after this condensed yeah. spring training. So a guy like you know ross stripling either throwing bulk out of the bullpen or either making starts here and there is going to be really useful and then nate pearson as well as another guy who has been like you know a, a darling of top prospect lists for a very long time explosive fastball high 90s to 100 as a starter wipe out slider he'll drop the curveball in for a strike he's got a change up as well like he's got all the tools he just hasn't been able to realize them because he has dealt with a number of injuries young uh, at a young point in his career. He's 25 now. This is going to be a really big season for him. Um, and he's going to get big league opportunities. And if he's healthy, the stuff is electric. The stuff is elite. I, and I remember you talking ahead. about him. I mean, you were I think you were highest on him coming up and, and just enamored with what you saw. And, and injuries certainly look like they have derailed him. And, and he's kind of taken him. Is he going to start in AAA? Uh, as a starter for them to get innings up or is he going to be given the the 30 30 games in 31 days uh, a guy that they'll factor in potentially at the back of the rotation i think the latter like i think he's going to start in the big league roster because i think there's going to be spot starts for him i think there's going to be bulk relief outings for him i think there's going to be like a sort of louis patino role for him on Mm -hmm. this on this club where you know yeah he's kind of a little bit of a swing man like he's not a guy who's going to throw 200 innings this year because he just doesn't have that base to build off of but he is a guy who could throw 125 innings this year and and those could come you know partially via spot starts partially via relief appearances Nate Pearson pitching out of relief in September last year was pretty special and pretty dominant. Struck out a bunch of dudes. Yep. So there's that's always an option for him, and that's always a way the Blue Jays could utilize him. But they hope that long-term he's going to be a, a front-of-the-rotation starter and he's going to reach his potential and develop into what everyone believes he could be with his four-pitch mix and like his physicality. He's like 6'6", 260. He's a big dude. He's a horse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, he looks the part. He's just last, you know, 2021, he was dealing with a sports hernia all year and he tried to pitch through it, went on the IL, tried to pitch through it, went on the IL, got a quarter zone shot to get him to the end of the season, then ended up having surgery on it after the year. So it's it's such a big question mark with him. It's just health and durability and how he would look in a heavy innings, high volume role. But his kind of stuff is so special that you give him every opportunity you can because if he, if he can put it all together, it could be, uh, you know, it could be a real weapon for the Blue Jays. So, yeah, he, he's one name to watch. And then um, not on the pitching side, but on the position player side, Gabriel Moreno, who is a, a young catcher out of Venezuela. He's uh, you'll see him in the top 10 of everybody's list right now. I think Baseball America, MLB.com, wherever you look, he came out of nowhere last year, put himself on the map, had some you know, just a great year offensively working around injury as well, end up breaking his thumb and missing a bunch of time in, uh, in the middle of the season. So not the most like impressive counting stats or bulk numbers, but you look at the exit velocities, you look at the plate appearances, the pitch he was, pitches he was laying off, the swing decisions, all those things. Like people will tell you, if you ask, like, this is a big league bat today. And he's a catcher. It's the hardest position to transition to the big leagues at. So there is still work to be done there in terms of game calling and handling a pitching staff. He will start at AAA Buffalo, and and that's where he'll be for the beginning of the season. But if he if he hits again this year like he did last season and he's healthy, 
I think he's a big leaguer before the all-star break. Wow. Um, as as an occasional catcher, some DH at-bats, he can play a little bit of third base because he's a converted shortstop. Um, he is a special offensive player and somebody who it's going to be hard for the Blue Jays to keep off of their big league roster if he continues on the career pr- progression that he's been on for the last couple of years. You need to stop talking about all these young kids who are, who are, uh, who are playing <laughs> good baseball and coming up and everybody's super high on. It seems like for like really just talking i think everybody outside the the red Sox really is you know there there are just a bunch of young studs in this in this division um that that are coming yeah, up the even rays with the yankees have a crazy system the rays have a the ridiculous Orioles amount have a surprising and, system and you know damn well that there's going to be three guys that you've never heard of that that do yeah. really well on the rays too that 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 come out and are, are impact guys and you know it just puts so much more pressure i think on the yankees for this next year and a half for some of the guys, Volpe is a, a shortstop that, that's coming up, uh, obviously a top-rated shortstop. In the, it puts a lot of pressure on them to, to really develop these guys in the right way because everybody else in the division is doing it, is and they're doing it well. So Peraza, there's certainly a lot of pressure in the Oswaldo, next five years. Cabrera, you got some guys. Yep. We got yeah. some guys. We got some guys. Not not as many as, I mean, granted, there, there's, there's still a lot of big contracts on this team, and, and they're going to be here for a while. And hopefully there's another big contract that they – uh, they extend for, you know, six, seven years, who knows, but, um, all right, man. Well, I'll tell you what, I appreciate this. This was a lot of fun and lightning and, uh, really good to, good to, good to hear about all of the things that you guys got going on. Um, and it's going to be a fun season. So before we end, man, I got to hear some predictions. Where do you think this whole thing is going to land? Where's the dust going to settle at the end of the year with the AL East? In terms of like who the standings or like yeah, the standings and, and how far do you think the Blue Jays can go? Assuming you think they're going to make the playoffs because. You wouldn't be a, a company man if you didn't do that. Okay. The Blue Jays are going to win the American League East. The Tampa Bay Rays and New York Yankees are going to tie for second. And the Boston Red Sox will finish fourth. And the Baltimore Orioles will finish fifth, is what I think. But I do think that for the next three to five years, I mean, if we think about how good this division has always been, mm-hmm. the next three to five years are going to be amazing. Like, it's going to be so, so fun, as you've been saying. Like, we're talking about all these young players who are coming up right now. We're talking about how good the Yankees already are. The Red Sox are going to continue to be good, I think. The Yankees and Red Sox obviously have pretty exceptional resources when it comes to money that you can spend and, and payrolls that you can run. The Blue Jays are inching towards that. Blue Jays are going to run a franchise-high payroll. This like a historic payroll this year, around $170, $175 million dollars. And on top of that, they were talking about adding Freddie Freeman. Like they were talking about going up to ownership and saying, hey, we've got an exceptional opportunity here to add a really special player if we can get a bit more investment. So there is room to grow beyond that 170, 175 to inch up towards $200 million. I don't think the Blue Jays are ever going to be a luxury tax team. I don't think they'll ever be top five and will be payroll, but I think they'll be, they could be six or seven pretty easily. Obviously, the Red Sox and Yankees are up there, so there's going to be a ton of talent in this division for years to come, obviously. The Rays are always going to be the Rays. They're always going to find ways to be annoying to get the most out of what payroll that they have and to win division titles as they did the last two years. And then we can't sleep on the Orioles who have this incredible system built and are looking to come out of this rebuild. It's hard to see right now. I think they should have signed Carlos Correa to like a 10-year deal and made him the centerpiece of them coming out of that rebuild. Obviously, they're not ready this year, but within two, three years, man, like this year, you'll start to see some of those young players being graduated from that system, like the Rutschmans and, and guys like that. So 
this division, man, for the next several years is just going to be really, really fun to watch. A lot of good clubs. Um, and I think that every team in this division is happy about a more balanced schedule coming up next year because yeah. it just means less games beaten up right. on one another and more more opportunity to kind of you know to 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 take advantage of some of those uh, AL Central clubs. How many wins do you think it will take to uh, to to take the East this year? Do you think it's a hundred or, or do you think it's under a hundred? Um, 97 98 yeah somewhere in there the thing is like you the, the ALA's team still play each other so much right that they end well, up it came down of, to the Orioles you know, record last year it came down to who played the Orioles yeah. the best and and the Rays did they went what 18 and one I think against the uh yeah so if whoever takes care of business to me because you're gonna see probably dogfights 500 close to 500 between Red Sox Yankees Blue Jays and Tampa I mean that's kind of what you right. can expect Mm-hmm. And the Blue Jays play the Rays a ton in September. Like some of those rescheduled doubleheaders ended up getting plopped right into September. So the Blue Jays have this stretch. I forget what it is off the top of my head, but it's something in around like nine games in 16 days against wow. the Rays or something like that. So that's going to be a lot of fun in September. And yeah, I just think that every time the Blue Jays and Yankees play this year, it's already been the case the last couple of years where yeah. the games have been intense. And the games yeah. have been sick and our oldest Chapman versus Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Bo Bichette has been like appointment viewing. And I think that's only going to continue now going forward. Hell yeah. All right, guys, uh, give, uh, go give uh, Arden a follow on Twitter. He's at Arden Zwelling. He does a hell of a job for Sportsnet covering the Blue Jays. Um, yeah, man, let's get back on uh, later in the year and see how this thing's going. Appreciate your time. Hey, man, playoff preview. Book it. I think we're going to be doing it. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.